things that need to be destroyed or carried out to the garbage, turned off or even canceled. What are those things? You should have no other gods before me is what the Bible says. Anything you trust and you serve before you trust and you serve God, what he's saying is anything you trust and you serve before you serve me is a foreign God. Anything. Anything you trust and you serve before God would be considered an idol. In First Samuel 7, the people of God had been brought together around the Ark of the Covenant by Samuel. He reminded them that though they were defeated, it was their own sins that had gotten them to this point and that God was willing to receive them if they were willing to turn away from their worship of idols. After laying the foundation for restoration, the prophet Samuel carefully led the people through what needed to take place in their lives if they wanted to get serious with God. In today's message, Pastor Mark will guide us towards restoration along the same path. Put God first, get rid of any idols in your life, and serve God alone. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 with today's edition of Come Alive. Circumstances are not why you know God. Situations are not why you love Him. I love Him because His Word dictates what I do. It says He he loved what? I love Him because He first loved us. Or we love Him because He first loved us. It was His love that drew us in. And so we see that. I love him because his word dictates what I do. And it it makes my life a lot easier. I can look and say, okay, cool, i got to do that. I shouldn't do that. But it's more or less, I can do that. I can do this. This is awesome. I can can do that, Lord. I can go out there and tell somebody about you. Not that, oh, man, I I can't go hang out with my buddies at that place. It, It doesn't say that anywhere. I'll say this. If you're looking for what you can do for permission in the Scriptures constantly... If you're always looking to see what you can do or you can get away with or how much you can do, and you're like, well, you know, I'll find a verse for that, then you know what? Your relationship with the Lord, it's probably not where it needs to be. You should be reading and studying and saying, okay, cool, man. I want to I do the things that this guy does. I want to be like Eliezer and, and be that close to the presence of God. Have him in my house. I want to be like David when he was doing all the cool stuff. I don't want to be like the David in Psalm 51. But I want want to be like David. And maybe we should be like the David in Psalm 51, repentant. Because we're going to look at that later too. So circumstances are not why we know God, and situations are not why we love Him. So if restoration is first, and repenting at the prospect that God is gracious, that he will not despise a broken heart. And you think about that, is that God doesn't despise a broken and contrite heart. He likes it. And we have to think about, why did it take these guys 20 years? Why did it take 20 years for these guys to repent? Because in the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us, sin is deceitful. 
Sin will trick you into thinking that, hey, it's a good thing. It's a fun thing. And, and we know, all of us know, that sin can be fun. It's just the end result of sin isn't so fun. Some of you may be in sin. Maybe you've had your sin a long time and you think you're stuck in it. But how long? How long are you going to be stuck in it? Don't you know that there's a point and a time that, hey, you know, it's going to come from, from your spirit that you're going to say, I'm not doing this anymore. At some point, sometime, you should, it should be today. But at some point in time, you're going to just be tired of it. It's going to wear you out. It's going to own, you're going to be tired of being owned by it. You're the slave at that point. And so you hear others talking about victory and wholeness and joy, and, and you want to know how to get that. Well, look at verse 3. It says, Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you turn to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away your false gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. Let's notice the specifics. If you're taking note, write down the specifics. Number one, return to the Lord with all your heart. Not some or most of it, but 100% of it. Samuel knew the nation. The nation's made up of people. And if Samuel knows people, all he's got to do is know himself. You and I know people. They can't succeed if they didn't put the Lord first and trust in him only. So they couldn't succeed if they didn't put God first and trust in him only, 100%. So don't go to the Lord with only half or three quarters of your heart and willing to present it to him. He wants the whole thing. He wants all of you. All of you. Number two would be put away your foreign gods. Well, I don't have any of those, Mark. They're not foreign. Really? How about some currency? I haven't traveled. I don't have any foreign currency. What about your money? See, idolatry had been Israel's recurring sin, and Israel had a tendency to worship the gods of their defeated enemy, which is crazy when you really think about it, because sometimes, I mean, they would. They would worship those gods. They would pick up those gods and carry them around, and they would have their god. So they have their god. They have these other gods. And they would just kind of cover their bases. And you might think, well, I'm not like that. I believe in the real God. I'm here. I'm born again. That's okay. That's fine. But the Bible tells us, you know, what are those things in your life that need to be destroyed? That we need to deny ourselves. So what are those things that need to be destroyed? Or carried out to the garbage? Turned off or even canceled? What are those things? You should have no other gods before me is what the Bible says. Anything you trust and you serve before you trust and you serve God, what he's saying is anything you trust and you serve before you serve me is a foreign God. Anything. Anything you trust and you serve before God would be considered an idol. So you got to think about that. Where do you go first when there's a problem in your life? Do you go to the Lord or, or, or do you go to whatever? The bank account, the checking account, the job. What do you trust and serve before you trust and serve God. What is that? And you, if you're taking notes, jot that thing down. Just be real honest. And then today, 
just get before him and say, Lord, here it is. I offer this thing to you, I give it to you, and I turn my back on it and walk away from it. Prepare for the return. The third thing is, here that we see, is to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. You might be like, well, wait a minute. There's nothing about Jesus. This is Old Testament, bro. Okay, cool. Mark, you're making the text say what you want it to say. I'm not. In the Hebrew, the word prepare implies a constant readiness. A constant readiness. A constant readiness and willingness to do whatever God says to do. So, what's God say to do? Well, constantly be ready for him. Constantly. And serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. He will deliver you from the hand of the world. You don't want to find yourself debating God every single time his spirit speaks. And to many of us, you know, we're missing out on the master-servant relationship, and we have this master-suggesting relationship. Well, you know, I think God's telling me today that he's just suggesting to be kind. Or he's just suggesting for me to fill in the blank. And he's not. He might be telling you to do something. And some of us believe God only suggests that we do what he asks. And that's crazy. And it's, Christi- it's, a, it's a crazy Christianity. It's a watered-down version of what's really there. And that's a, a constant debate. You see those Christians constantly debating God. Are you sure, Lord? Because that's not the way I see it. That's not politically correct. And I could possibly lose my job if I do that. So God, are you... I don't think you mean that. I think you mean... And we flip it around. We allow ourselves to dictate what we think God means when it's very clear what he means. So here's where they come with all their heart. The Israelites show up. Samuel's there. He speaks to all the house of Israel. He shows up there and they say, here, we're giving you all our heart, God. We're about to repent and we're going to repent and turn 100%. And they recognize that these idols are the reason that they're not in the right relationship with God. And if you guys want to take notes also, Revelation twenty-two fourteen says, Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life. Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. So think about that. Well, when you do what God says for you to do, you have a right to the tree of life. Jesus says, be born again. Okay, cool. Well, that's a great first step. We've done that. But it's got to continue. God wants your emotions. God wants your emotions. That part, that he wants your fun. He wants your joy. And that part of your heart that experiences pleasure, he says, I want that too. He wants all of you. He doesn't want just some of you. He doesn't want the fun you. He wants all of you. God wants it all. So consider when you think about it, really, and you think long and hard, consider who you're giving it to. Who do you give your heart to? Sometimes we give it to different things or different people. We let them have it, and we wonder why we're always heartbroken. But if we give it to God, it's God who will take that, and he will take that thing, and it's always in need of repair, and he will repair it. And he will restore it, and he will fix it. If you were foolish enough 
to Baal and the Canaanite goddesses, then you can certainly trust me, is what he's saying. If you're foolish enough to trust those guys, then you can totally trust me, is what he's saying here in verse 3 to these guys. And so if you think about it, you know, I've seen that Calvary Albuquerque people come up and, and they got drug addictions or alcohol addictions or some kind of addiction or some kind of problem. And, and I've seen things where there was a pastor and they would anoint them with oil and they pray over them. They say, you know, I believe you are completely healed right this moment. You're completely 100% healed. You, you don't have to go back to the drug and alcohol. And those people would walk away and you would see them in a few weeks and they'd be in the drug and alcohol class. They'd be clean. They'd be healed. And so God doing a work by them giving 100% of their heart. But there's a second part of that. Look at verse 4. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtoreths, and they served the Lord only. Only. An alcoholic that's saved from alcoholism, if he's drinking again, then is he saved? Uh, Is he really saved? Did he truly give his heart to the Lord, or did he hold something back? So these guys give it all. And so we should give it all. Look at verse 5. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted that day, and and they said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. And so... Now they've recognized the problem. They repent at the prospect. And now we see that they restore the path. And so how we worship the Lord with all of our heart, putting away foreign gods, and we prepare ourselves. We prepare ourselves. How do we prepare ourselves to experience God more fully? And so in this portion of Scripture would represent our petition. They petition God. They're doing something physically that speaks symbolically to what they're doing spiritually. I'll say that again. They're doing something physically that speaks symbolically to what they're doing spiritually. And as they pour the water out, they got these, notice they've got these big jars. It's not just a mason jar. It's a big jar. And they're pouring the water out. And notice how much this says. Does it say a little? Three quarters? No, it says all. They pour it all out. It's a huge jar, and as the water came out, all the water came out. And it was symbolic of getting all of the sin out. Remember, it says we are earthen vessels in the New Testament. We're called earthen vessels. So dump all your sin out, all of it. And then they shake it, dumped it completely out, 100%. And so they would wave it back and forth to make sure not a drop was left. And if you want to come back to Christ after a time of backsliding, then pour out your heart to him. You know, we think about backsliders as being people who, who use drugs or gone out drinking for months on it. No, no, no. You could be a backslider just by doing nothing, sitting around, just doing absolutely nothing. You can backslide because God doesn't call us to sit around and do nothing. He doesn't say, oh, just, just do nothing. In the name of the Lord, I do nothing. Praise Jesus. What an easy life this is. I just take care of me. My own self. No. And so they would wave it back and forth. They'd pour out their heart to the Lord is what that's symbolically speaking. Psalm 66, 18 tells us if they had sin in their hearts, 
who wouldn't hear them? God wouldn't hear them. If you have sin in your heart, God's not going to hear you. I find it odd that people will repent about some things, but they won't repent about everything. They just, oh yeah, I'm a sinner in this area, but they don't repent about everything. And so Psalm 66 says if they have sin in their hearts, God won't hear them. Yeah, Mark, but that's Old Testament. Well, is God different in the Old Testament than the New Testament? The Bible tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not any different. So as long as you keep something hidden in your heart, God doesn't have the opportunity to start a work with a clean and solid foundation. And so he begins to build on you. And because you have this big crack in your foundation, because you have this fault in your foundation, he starts to load you up. And you won't be able to carry out even the smallest of responsibilities. You'll prove to be more irresponsible than you do responsible because you didn't come clean in the first place. How many Christians, how many ministries, how many things in church haven't been able to take off because that person just has that little fault and they didn't think it was a big deal, but that little fault began to start a huge crack. And then those little things just kind of fell by the wayside. So they pour it out on the ground. And the next thing to look at is the ground. The ground. They dump it out on the ground and the ground begins drinking it up. This speaks very symbolically as well. It speaks of God hearing their prayer. God saying, okay, cool, I'm going to take your sin. Just like Jesus took all of our sin on the cross. All of it. Not not some of it, but all of it. Did he suffer for nothing because we held something back? And so it drinks it all up. It represents God hearing their prayer. And you need to know that your prayer is heard. And with confession comes cleansing. When we confess, that prayer is heard. Because with that confession comes cleansing. These are backslidden believers. They were tempted and they took and they bit at the temptation and they ran with it. They were still accepted as his children but they just weren't acceptable as we talked about earlier. So God hears you when you are truly repented. Turn to Psalm 51 with me. Keep your thumb in 1 Samuel. We're going to Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now, you got to think, If he's always a loving God, why would somebody ask for mercy? Why would somebody ask for mercy? Well, because there's going to be a judgment. There could be a problem with that situation. And so we have an awareness of who God is. Hidden in David's heart, David understands who God is at this point. This is when David had blown it with Bathsheba. And so he writes this. And this is the kind of God that we enjoy. He's compassionate, he's graceful, and he's merciful. And so, now look at verse 5. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me known no wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me, and everybody knows this song, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. That's an amazing last verse. He's going to teach transgressors God's ways and sinners shall be converted. And so we look at that and we see, and then look at verse 17 with me real quick as well. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. If you don't have these verses underlined in your Bible, then I would say underline them. And why? Because we're all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners. And when we sin, we need to do something with my sin. When I sin, I need to do something with it. I I got two choices. I can continue in it. I can resist or rebel, or I can repent and return. So those are my choices. And the way you return is to recognize who your God is. And if my heart is truly broken and my heart genuinely contrite, he's going to despise my sin. I'm going to despise my sin. David will despise his sin. So God will hear that I got a genuinely contrite and broken heart, And it's going to be the Holy Spirit who calls me guilty. I'm convicted of that sin. And I'm going to repent and I'm going to return. And the key activity of the day was that the confession. If you think about that confession that the children of Israel had turned back to 1 Samuel. You see that the key activity of the day was the confession of their sins. The pouring out of the water. The symbolic pouring out of that water and the ground, drinking it up, and God hearing their prayers. And so in Leviticus, if you're taking notes, 26 verse 40 through 45, God's covenant promise to the children of Israel was, if they sincerely confessed to him, he would forgive their sins. Just like he forgives ours. And so no amount of sacrifice or ritual can wash away their sins. And so the water... And the ground that drank up their sin, they pour out all the water, and the ground drinks up all their sin, which they poured out. They couldn't put it back in. It was gone. There's no way they could put that back in. And so if they were truly repentant, then what they do with their freedom is going to truly show their heart. And it's the same thing for you and I. If we're truly repentant people, 100%, then what we do with that freedom that we get once that sin is gone, What we do that next time is going to show who we truly are. It's going to be your character. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.